0: Do we have any questions? All right. Assalamu
1: so, like, alaykum I'm sister. I'm over the moon excited about your kutba. It's just so so timely. So, um two things. Number one, um I have a daughter who's getting going to be getting married soon. Do you have any more tips about the cooking issue?
2: <laughs> how, how you orchestrated that?
3: Decided <laughs> it.
2: You know, so I was just like this is going to happen. I'm the boss lady like this is how it's going to be like if you don't want to be married to be then bye. Like, I am super just, you just have to be strong. And it's not easy. I think, you know, you're expect like I was saying, like women are socialized to like, you know, be the homemakers. And I think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But like men need to contribute too. And so I think just growing up, I think my mom was super hardcore feminist. And so I got that from her. And so like just... You know, I'm like, when I get married, like, I'm not going to be, you know, that person. And so, I guess I've just always been that way. So, I guess it was just me being like, I'm not going to back down. Like, I'm not going to compromise on that one. Like, everything else, people who are single out there, like, when you get married, like, you have to compromise on, like, everything. But um, the cooking thing, I was like, I'm never cooking ever. Like, (laughs) never. Like, you will starve, my friend. Like... We're going to go out to eat forever. We can't afford that. But anyway, so I just like basically just did not cook. Like straight up, I just, I didn't do it. And so he eventually figured it out and then he just did it and it's the best thing ever in my whole life. Like I love, I love it. I hate cooking, so it's not happening. Um, But he's a great person. I mean, you know, I do so much for him. He does so much for me. Like, you know, I don't know. Was that helpful at all? Or like, I don't know. I mean, of course, but then I was just like, you know, like I do so much for you, you know, like I need you to do something too. And just he, he is, um, he's from Pakistan. And so I think, you know, I'm from European American background and we're very different cultures. And so he tells me, you know, like you are so lucky, like, you know, how many Pakistani men would like not ever do this? So it's like a miracle that, You know, he, and I I have been able to, I joke about it, like I train him, you know, to be like, I trained you to, you know, be a cook. Um, But it's just like, yeah, no, I I wish, I wish more men would contribute. But I think it's because I just stood my ground so hard that I was just like, there's no way you're not going to treat me this way. Like, I am not going to be your full-time servant for a lifetime. And, but I am, I mean, we are each other's servant. Like, I'm not saying it is a bad way, but I just... I'm adamant about the cooking. That's like my one jihad. I'm like, that's all you, bro. I can't. I hope that was a funny story. I don't know. I tried to make it funny. funny.
3: That's
0: uh, that's a really important point you made, Zan, about just like talking, saying to him, I do so much for you. Um, And I think that's a really important point to make not just in romantic relationships, but any type of relationship. Um, I think in a lot of at least in South Asian cultures, you don't talk about what you do for people because that negates what you've done. And you don't even, in your mind, you don't even keep track of it because that negates the true intention behind it. And so it is something that I've really had to force myself because I think um, with some cultures that don't uh, don't go by those rules, um, if you don't talk about what you're doing, the other person just assumes that you're not doing anything. and um, enough time passes and then you end up, you know, in a really imbalanced situation and it's not entirely their fault. Um, so it is important to, to really communicate like, Hey, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Um, I like, you know, I'm doing this out of love, uh, but let them know what you're doing so that, um, they can keep track as well. And it's not like, Oh, you have all this free time, do this free. <laughs> um, and then actually, uh, speaking of tips, there's a book called when, why men love than B word, um, and the author actually says you're supposed to uh, you're supposed to be like oh yeah I'll cook for you and then you cut up hot dogs and like <laughs> and you hand it to them and then you're like do you like it and they're like they never ask you again so that's another strategy.
4: <laughs> Assalamualaikum Ramadan Mubarak and Takbir, you were awesome. Um, I think the key was is that you stated what your preferences were at the very beginning of this relationship starting, not before before marriage. And I think that's really, really important. Um, uh, something that I remember my mother saying is like, you know, you got to say and speak and talk about what you want your relationship and your marriage to be before you get married. So I think that's what you did. It was wise and you stuck to your guns Kudos.
5: <laughs> Salam alaikum, Ramadan Mubarak. I'm so glad to be here because I've been working. I have been able to come, but you know, through the grace of Allah, I'm able to come during Ramadan. So I'm thankful. Um, <laughs> your uh, your was amazing. It speaks to everything that I. You know, I'm trying to embody as a young Muslima and just, you know, reinterpreting the Quran as it applies to us now is such an important thing. And it's why I love coming here, because, you know, the the Katiba such as yourself um, give us tools from the Quran that apply to our everyday lives. And so this whole idea of... um, dismantling the patriarchy and um, dismissing misogyny and understanding that it doesn't need to be interpreted through the continued eyes of of men because I practice a certain level of pluralism within my my friendships and relationships. And so um, a lot of people just assume that, you know. Muslim women are, you know, we're supposed to be subservient and do these different types of things, and my dad was the first person to tell me, he was like, you don't have to do none of that, (laughs) and he was like, you know, I love your mom, and I cook for your mom, and your mom cooks for me, and they, they made it very, you know, prevalent, you know, in their in their union and in their marriage, that this was a, a 50-50 thing, while there are certain things that, you know, that are designated to her as a woman and then designated to him as a man, it's important to recognize that this is a partnership. This isn't just, you know, a one-way street. So, you know, thank you so much for that, um, you know. I get out here and I stump my feminist feet <laughs> and let everybody know that I ain't doing nothing for you if I don't have to, so
3: thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you again so much for the khutbah. Again, I'm just gonna talk about like what everyone else has been saying. Um, I think you know I think it's great that you put that in the khutbah, um, even though it wasn't supposed to be like the main, that wasn't like the focus of your khutbah, I think it's really important because um, you know as a leader, as someone standing, um, Giving the cookbook you do have an authority about you, and um, you know whether it's fair or not, people like will listen to authorities um, perhaps like um, you know over if they were just thinking it for themselves, they would say, oh no, but if they hear someone in a position of authority or just even someone else saying it, then they're more likely to feel validated and go through with um, what they were thinking um, and yeah, I think that's that's good that you brought that up because. Again, like so, with in my marriage, uh, the cooking thing, um, or even just like the any domestic tasks. Every time my husband does stuff, I feel kind of internally like, "Oh man, why are you letting him do that? You should be doing that." But then another part of me says, "Why are you saying that? Um, this is, <laughs> this is, you know, this is an equal partnership. This is, you know, you're both, you're both humans. Um, you know, you're both on, you're both on equal footing. You don't have to feel guilty. Um, it's something that you've been." You know, conditioned or socialized to learn, um, but you don't have to do that. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of like unlearning, um, unlearning patriarchy, misogyny, um decolonizing your mind, so to speak, as some people would say. Um, so, but yeah, that's really important, and I thank you for bringing that up. That's a great
0: point. I think guilt... A lot of times, no one is oppressing us, we are oppressing ourselves through guilt and shame, so that's a great point,
6: Anne. I was just going to say that uh, times have changed. Young people now have grown to want to demand half and half. In the olden days, there's plenty of money, there's plenty of people to do other work that a wife doesn't have to do. My mother didn't have to cook, we had to cook. So this is a new life for, for the young people. But I agree with you, though. as alaikum. Thank you so much for the kutbah. It was wonderful. So informative. And I would like to suggest in terms of cooking that you consider having your daughter put it as a part of her dowry <laughs> that she's not cooking. <laughs> but obviously these are things that have to be discussed in advance. My question to you is on a different uh, topic. All of the women who were so prominent in Islam, those names have kind of filtered away from us. We don't always know who they are. Of course, we all know Lady Khadija. We all know about Aisha. You mentioned someone else, and I wanted to clarify. Did you say that she was, the name, first of all, has gotten away from me, but did you say that she was so well thought of by the Prophet Muhammad that he instructed her to, was it to give chutpas? And was it in front of men and women? So I'd like some more information on that and her name so we can all get it kind of carved and maybe tattooed on our (laughs) forearms.
2: Yeah, so Um Um is her name. And I'd heard of her before, but I didn't know much about her, you know, because even just starting this whole khutbah, I was like, what should I do it on? I'm like, women's leadership. So I'm like, I'm gonna try and study every topic and then see which ones I like the most. And like, that was what I was really drawn to. And so reading about her and all this academic research, there's a lot of information about her that is, people don't agree on it, which is kind of, I don't know. Um, if you want to help me answer too cuz i don't want to, i want to be on brand with the women's mosque, but um
0: our, our brand is pluralism so just mention all the viewpoints and then you're okay. good
2: okay <laughs> so basically um my understanding is that she led prayer and it's kind of debated the people aren't fighting about like the word like cuz it's in another language and like it's modern day so like did she lead a prayer of all women was it her neighborhood, was it her family, was it her house, was it men, was it women? So it's like this debate over time. And here is what I had learned and this is what I took from the research is one section in this book which is so good, I would recommend it. It's called um, the uh, Oxford Encyclopedia of Women in Islam. Oh my gosh, that was my favorite book in prepping for this khutbah. I can like email it to all of you because that is what I used the most for this khutbah. Like, Oh my gosh, it was such a wealth of information. So it's called the Oxford Encyclopedia of Women in Islam, I think, I have my reference page right here, but um, that was like the best book ever. Oh my gosh, I wish I could buy that. But I think it, I don't know if it's only available in academic libraries, which I'm like, but you can probably get it through WorldCat at your other um, local libraries. Yeah, the Oxford Encyclopedia of Islam and Women. Yes, exactly. But yes, I can email it out to people too. I can give you my card. But in this, there was like a whole chapter about her. And um, in one of the sections, they talked about how, because it's like Hadith and there's always like this debate about which Hadith are, you know, valid or which ones are weak. And like, who is the one who's judging that? You know, who is the one who is the tafsir interpreters? It's men. So um, basically over time... You know, obviously, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, lived such a long time ago. And information, you know, wasn't like on the internet, you know. So it was, um, you know, orally done. And so um, when it first started out, the story of Umm it was like a strong, valid Hadith. And then over time, people are like, other men are like, oh, it's weak. And then in all the, like they're just trying to like disappear her story, which I'm like, this is sexism. Like, you, like, ah. So that was really frustrating reading of, like, this chapter being, like, waraka people thought she, like, led a mixed woman's prayer, and it was, like, super valid, and it was, like, a huge community. And then, like, later, centuries later, people were, like, oh, that, we, that, that um, hadith is not that valid as much. You know what I mean? So that's the thing is, like, there's, you know, like, all scholars have, like, different opinions on these things. So I'm just telling you, like, what the research, what I was reading. But mixed, mixed gender, I think is what I said. I meant to say, and I probably didn't say the right thing. So thank you. Um, Just because I'm nervous. (laughs) Um, So, um, yeah, so basically it was, like, it started out being, like, super valid. And over time, people have just been, like, making it less valid and valid and valid over time. And trying to, like, disappear her story, which I'm, like... That's sexism to a T, like keep saying like, oh, it's a woman did this. Oh, a woman couldn't have done that, you know what I mean? So that's through the research I found through this book and that was really discouraging to hear because people really want to be like, she never led the prayer. Like someday, we live in the United States, 2018, someday people will be like, the Women's Mosque of America didn't exist. Like seriously, (laughs) that's what what happened. And it's like literally we're all sitting here, this existed, I'm sorry, but no, this actually did happen. (laughs) So it's that's what my I, my understanding was. I would encourage you to, you know, do your own research on her, but it's her name is Umwadaka and I I was so I and I, I am not a PhD in Islamic studies. So I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that I know everything, but um like I, I didn't bring my research with me. I was like, should I bring the original research and I'm like, no, I don't want to get that nippy. But um I it was just saying that the the that it was a valid one and so even i emailed this um one of our um religious leaders locally because he is really conservative and i want to be like i wonder what he thinks about this but i never actually did because i would be too scared for him to be like this is not valid you know so you know i don't know it's a great question like i said i'm not an expert so i mean i think another great way is just to maybe you guys go do your research too and Maybe somebody can give a khutbah and maraka like the whole thing. That would be pretty cool. But um, that was my understanding. And I'm human, so I don't have all the answers to. So this is my best effort.
0: Stop giving disclaimers, women. Stop apologizing. You're doing great. Um, all right.
7: Anyone else? Assalamu alaikum and Ramadan Mubarak. Um, thank you so much for your khutbah. This is like one of the best kurba in my life, I think. And like a, every like a Quran and hadith, especially Quran with and like all these examples with it and your voice just touch in. I tend to sleep, fall in sleep very often. I just coming from our staff meeting and I fall sleep twice. I didn't hear, so you can, that tell a lot, right? And um, your prayers, it got me. I felt it. So I have to tell you that I did. Um, and thank you for stealing my question. <laughs> um, and about the cooking thing, I okay, I love cooking, so I don't think I'll give it to somebody. So there are women, they actually love to cook and serve. So don't take that away from them. (laughs) But I think that equal um, opportunity to um, contribute to the family, that's more important than exactly what. Um, But you did a good job. I think all women have to have that um, beforehand. Like, okay, this is I can do and this is I cannot do. The other thing I also like, as you mentioned, that you mentioned that I do for you, and in our culture and how I grew up, we never say that. Um, and that's, um, I, I, as you said, like a, we, we actually made that think other person that, yeah, it's not that, she don't deserve much, she didn't do much, right? Because we don't say it. And also, it, so first time I was, I think my kids are still young, and uh, I was doing research at Children's Hospital. And one time, one of the, I think one of my colleagues, and they said, oh, I did it for you. And it, like, hit me. It's like, what? Yeah, of course you did. Why you have to? Like, I didn't say that. And I don't have no courage to say that either, Right? But it bothered me days after days that like, yeah, you did it. So why have to tell me? But I never even speak up of that. Later on, when my kids grew up, they're saying the same thing. <laughs> like, oh, I did it for you. Like, what? <laughs> you are my kid. You, I do so much for you. So it's like a really more cultural huh? uh, So um, um, I think the people like you said, like you're, like our moms are like that, we are like that, it's like a very, that's how it should be. So it's not actually their fault, we made them like that, so.
0: You know what you're saying is basically that culture clash, like it would work if there were two people who abide by that rule that you don't talk about it because then the other person is constantly paying attention and looking for what you're doing, um, but If you're in a a different culture where people are responsible for communicating themselves um, and you mix those two that's when you have some problems. Uh, Anyone else? Yes okay so we'll take you and then you.
8: Hi thanks again for your it's really pleasant to listen to. I wanted to ask a question about critically thinking about the Quran and about our beliefs, because a struggle I run into sometimes is that I want to critically think about things and, like, analyze things, but then I feel worried that I'll cast everything that I believe into doubt, and then, so, like, navigating the road of, like, discerning what feels true to you and what you inherently believe is right, and then other things that you want to think about more deeply.
2: It's a great question. I don't know if I understood your question. I'm sorry. So, um, like, are you doubting that you believe that like, your critical... No, okay, sorry. That's why
8: I'm like, what did you... Thanks for asking for clarification. No, it's totally okay. Um, so what I'm trying to ask is, how do you question some things without questioning everything, is, I guess, another way to put it. I mean, I don't know if my question makes sense to other people, but...
2: Um... That's like, I I grew up in a small town, and I went to a shitty public school. I mean, I loved it, but the only thing I learned is critical thinking skills in my whole like from that, like, if nothing else... And so I do question everything, and it does get annoying, but it's like, I mean, that's just how I've always lived my life, and I'm okay with it. But then you're like, well, what do I believe in? Is that kind of like what you're saying? But it's like, well, I don't know, that's just how I, I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with being like, oh, I wonder if that's really what it means, or I don't know, I'm still, I don't know if I'm still answering it or not. But.
0: So there was a woman uh, in the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him's time, named Um, um Salama, um, and she actually went up to the Prophet and asked him, how come in the Quran it mentions men all the time? It seems like God is only talking to men. And like, you think about that, and she not only was she challenging the Prophet, she was challenging God, and she was cha- challenging the words of God, right? Um, and the way the Prophet uh, responded to her, Um, was that he was silent and he was waiting for an answer to come to him. He was waiting for revelation to come. Uh, And then when it did, it was that verse in Surah Ahazad that says, for the believing men, the believing women, the the charitable men, charitable women. And that verse mentions men and women over and over and over in response to this woman's question and her doubting and her questioning. Um, And... As we know, in Islam, or during that time, um, whenever someone would ask the Prophet, peace be upon him, a question, and their question was answered through the Quran, that was God honoring them. Um, And so just think of her and think, like God wants me to question because God knows that this will lead me closer to God. And so I think what you just have to do is have faith that as long as you you know, start it in the name and intention of, uh, of coming closer to God, that yes, you might go through some bumps and hills and valleys, but eventually you will be led to an even closer uh, connection to God, inshallah.
9: Also, like on the idea of how do you question some things without questioning other things, one of the things that I find really helpful is to remember that Like, what's my motivation for questioning? So, like, you know, sometimes we question just, we're not actually interested in learning anything and we're just being contrary. Um, And and so those kinds of questions are generally not helpful. But when you are, like, questioning because you want to learn something, you want to understand something, there's something actually bothering you, then those are questions that are actually encouraged for us to ask. because. Ultimately, Islam equals peace. It's one of the primary goals of Islam is to help us achieve inner peace. So anything that's disturbing our inner peace, we need to question and figure out the answer to that. But if it's not disturbing our inner peace, if it's um, you know something we're already happy about, then we don't really need to question it. Great point. Um, because
0: uh, a lot of times, too, when people feel disturbed, like when they enter religious communities and they feel... Out of place, they blame themselves rather than recognizing that their heart is actually on the right path, and what is going on around them needs to be changed and brought up. Um, so that might also be part of what you're experiencing.
1: Um, I just want to ask you: Are, are you are, so um, to get better understanding about your question? Are you saying how do you know? Um, how do you know which things are off, off the table, if you will, like um, maybe certain beliefs you already have or things like that you want to know, or are you asking, how do I know if I want to just even take something off the table because, and I just want to be firm on that and I don't need any, um, you know, like exploration into that versus which things do I want to put on the table and say, these are things I'm willing to explore, possibly radically different beliefs.
8: Yeah. Sorry that this turned into a Q&A with me. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, but, like, for instance, so, like, if you're thinking about the Quran and questioning something that's within it and thinking about how that is, like, directly the word of God. And so, I mean, like, as you were saying, like, how do you have the courage to question, like, something that Allah has said and that is, is, like you know literally his words and so and then it's like if you start questioning one thing and thinking like okay maybe that's not true then do you have to think okay are there other things that also aren't true or other things that also don't sit right with me and just unraveling like how do you believe undoubtedly like in an entity in God but then wonder if some things are not correct or some things don't speak to you.
0: So uh, we're almost out of time, but we'll just wrap it up with a couple more. Okay, Did you want to respond? Okay, so someone over here.
10: Assalamualaikum. Uh, I wanted to answer that because I've been Muslim now, I think, 43 years, and I read the Quran, and I still question things. And I have a lot of different Qurans, a lot of different translations. What I want to say is that sometimes you have to... Uh, look at the translations, because we have to remember that people translate it from the Arabic to the, whatever language it is, and sometimes they have their pre- prejudices when they translate. So it could be coming from a cultural experience. It co- could be coming from a male bias or whatever, that sort of thing. So it's, it's kind of good to go to different translations to see how these things are translated. And then... Because you know, we know God is merciful and all these ninety-nine attributes He has. So, just question the translator, you know, and uh, just go to another Quran and see how they they interpret it. Because I found I found better understandings when I go to another translation.
4: About questioning everything, it just it's it's our nature. We want to know, and so who knows what we will discover in researching things and share with other people by having that question. I remember my mother, um, a religious leader said, you know, women should marry outside the, the religion and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, cool. And my mother was like, oh, I'm not down with that at all. And I was like, what? And she was like, no, I, I, I'm not feeling that. And, and it's funny, but eventually that person changed their opinion on that slightly. So I think it's no harm for us to question anything that we think we need to question. Um, I have spoken about the loss of my daughter and me just talking to God real ugly and having to come back and apologize very sincerely because obviously God knew something I didn't know by taking my daughter. So, but at that point, I had some serious conversations with my Lord. So, I, you know, and I don't think it was held against me, right? So that's what I have to say. Thank
1: you. You know, something I find really interesting is that when you hear something that is true, there is no question, you know? Like, for example, if you and I were out on some beautiful landscape, right? And we're just enjoying our time together. And I say, wow, look at the sun. It's setting. It's so beautiful. Are you going to go, mm, I don't know if this is beautiful. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like when when we hear something that is true, usually it gives us peace. Like usually it's you you feel like, oh, that's good. You know, it's, it's usually when um, something might just feel a little off and you might not be able to wrap your mind around why, but you just feel that. And then uh, maybe that prompts you to start asking questions, you know. I was just gonna say, like um the uh like how it says in the
8: Quran, you know, like that we made you into nations and tribes so that you may know one another. Like when we have such a diversity of voices, um, you know, like your husband's from Pakistan and you know, you're like you you guys have to turn to the Quran and turn to Islam to find common ground because you can't say oh well this is how we do it in our village or this is how we do it here so um I just think like I feel very blessed to like look around and get such a diversity of of voices in this discussion and in, in this group and
0: all right and then with that we will close up uh Zan, would you like to lead us in our dua request please